Hi guys, here's a, another episode on Riley's Reads. I know I haven't been posting for a while, but hopefully that is going to change. Alright, let's get started. Alright, so for today, I'm going to be doing One Crazy Summer by Rita Williams Garcia. It's, a, it's one of those books that I had to read for sixth grade, so around a year ago. I haven't read in a while, but I remember it very well, and I loved it. It's one of those books that you don't expect to be good because it's a school book, and then it actually is. So, it's really, like, it's just a win-win. Anyway, um, if I do sound, uh, if I do, like, stop for a second, that's me just drinking water because I have filmed this one, like, podcast episode a bunch of times and my voice is not liking that but uh yeah that's just a quick forewarning anyway this book has a bunch of different reviews by uh a bunch of different awards sorry uh it has the newborn newberry on her book national book award finalist scott o'donnell award for historical fiction uh, and a bunch more awards and honors. All right, so here's back. Set during one of the most tumultuous years in recent American history, One Crazy Summer is a heartbreaking, funny tale of three sisters who traveled to Oakland, California in 1968. So there, is a few ra- there is a fair amount of racial injustice in this timeline. In 1968, in search of their mother, who abandoned them, it's an unforgettable story by a distinguished author for bu- uh, books for children and teens, Rita Williams Garcia. So, I like this book for a whole bunch of things. It had like it showed a bunch of uh, what it would like how the pressures of mo- what the pressures of motherhood could include, and um, how some people are, aren't just aren't ready for it, and. How people, how family members not, like, how family that you've married into not liking you. Like, how frustrating that can be. How growing up without mother can affect you. And it just teaches us about what it's like to be a young girl in the 1968, a young black girl in 1968, where, when racial injustice isn't the best. Uh, it's the best, just not a good way. Also, just a quick note, I have a tendency to, for things like swear words, I will, like, say something like bone brain, or, so things like that will come up in the first chapter, which I will read. I don't like saying uh, words that I can find rude uh, to others. It's not like a uh, necessary, uh, like, so there will be words I consider it, and I will change them just because I find them to be disrespectful. And people might not agree with me on them, but just my form of uh, looking at it. So, it's cool. Yep. I have to turn to the first chapter. Cassie's Clay Clouds is the first chapter thing. Also, a system I used for it was I boxed a new word. I dashed an important thing, interesting things. 
not important, that's bullet point. I bullet pointed an important thing and a question. I start a new thing, and I circle new people. And also, I wrote down a definition of someone who I didn't know. All right, so good thing the plane had seatbelts, and we'd been strapped in tight before takeoff. Without them, that last jolt would have been enough to throw Veneta into orbit and burn into the aisle. Still, I anchored myself and my sisters best I could, best as I could to brace us for whatever came next. Those clouds weren't through with us yet until another Cassius Clay, who is a famous boxer, left and right jabbed the body of our Boeing 727. Vanetta shrieks and then stuck her thumb into her mouth. Vanetta is the second youngest sister. Fern is the youngest. Fern bit down on Miss Patty Cake, who is a doll. Miss Patty Cake's plastic arm, pink plastic arm. I kept my one for myself. It was bad enough my insides were squeezed and in and stretched out like a monkey grinder's accordion. No need let anyone know how frightened I was. I took a breath. So when my mouth finally opened, I sounded like myself, not some scared rabbit. It's just so, it's just the clouds bumping, I told my sisters. Like they bumped over Detroit and Chicago and Denver. Vanetta pulled her thumb out of her mouth and put her head in her lap. Fern held on to Miss Patty Cake. They listened to me. We pushed our way up into the clouds. The clouds get mad and pushed back, like you and Fern fighting over red and gold crayons. I didn't know about the clouds fighting and pushing for a fact, but I had to tell my sister something. As long as Vanetta kept her fear to one streak and Fern kept biting Miss Patty Cake, I kept spinning on straw and making sure everything was all right. That's mainly what I do, keep Vanetta and Fern in line. Last thing Pa and Big Ma wanted to hear was how we made a grand black spectacle of ourselves 30,000 feet up in the air around all these white people. Again, there's a fair amount of racial injustice in this point of time. So, yeah. You know how Papa is, I told them. No way he'd put us on a plane if it were dangerous. They halfway believed me. Just as I had that soft plastic arm out of Fern's mouth, those Cassie's clay fighting clouds through another two, our two seven two, a two seven seven, wait, what? A two, a seven two seven, another jab. Big Ma, that's Pa's mother, so it's her grandmother. Still says Cassie Clay. Pa says Muhammad Ali, or just Ali. I uh, don't really know how to pronounce that, so I'm sorry. I slide back and forth from Cassie's Clay to Muhammad Ali. Whatever picture comes in first. With Cassie's Clay, you hear the clash of fists, like uh, the plane getting jabbed and punched. With Muhammad Ali, you see a mighty mountain greater than Everest. And and can't nobody knock down a mountain. All the way to the airport, Pa tried to, had tried to act like he was dropping off three stacks of wash at the laundromat. I'd seen through Pa. He's no Vanetta putting on performances. He only had one or two faces. Nothing hidden. Nothing exaggerated either. 
even though it had been his idea that we fly out to Oakland to see Cecile, Pod never once said how excited our trip would be. It said, it said that seeing Cecile was something whose time had come. That it had to be done. Just because he decided it was time for us to see her didn't mean he wanted us to go. My sisters and I stayed up had and I had stayed up all practically all night, California dreaming about what seemed like the other side of the world. We saw ourselves riding wild waves on surfboards, picking oranges and apples off fruit trees, filling our autograph books with signatures from movie stars we'd see in soda shops. Even better, we saw ourselves going to Disneyland. I love this book mainly, like, one of the main reasons is because it shows the childhood, like, childhood charm where, like, you think things are going to be fantastical and impossibly fantastical, even though they aren't going to be. And that's just, like, a, most people know, like, most people think they're going to go to Disneyland, but given the time standards, it's something uh, that's deemed impossible there. We had watched airports lift off, airplanes lift off and fly off into blue sky as we neared the airport. Every time another airliner flew up for overhead, leaving a trail of white and gray smoke, Big Ma fanned herself and then asked, Jesus, why? Big Ma had get caught quiet enough. Once inside the terminal, she let it all out. She told Pa, I don't mind saying it, but this isn't right. Coming out to Idlewood? Idlewild and putting these girls on place so Cecile can see what she left behind. If she wants to see, let her get on the plane and fly to New York. Big Ma doesn't care if President Kennedy's face is on a half dollar bill or if the airport is now officially named after him. She calls the airport by its old name, Idlewild. Don't get me wrong, I'm pretty sure this is a JFK airport. I'm not completely sure the best name for it, but that's what I'm calling it for now. Um, pretty interesting thing that it was used to be named Idlewild. Cool name. Don't get me wrong, Big Ma was as mad and sad as anyone as they when they killed the president. It's no, ch it's change she has no pity on. However, things are stamped in Big Ma's mind is how they will be, now and forever. Idlewild will never be JFK. Cassie's Clay will never be Muhammad Ali. Cecile will never be anything other than Cecile. Can't say I blamed Big Ma for feeling the way I, she did. I certainly didn't forgive Cecile. When Cecile left, Fern wasn't on the bottle. Benetta could walk but wanted to be picked up. I was four, going on five. Pa wasn't sick, but he wasn't doing well either. That's when Big Ma came up from Alabama to see about us. Even though Big Ma read her scripture daily, she hadn't considered forgiveness where Cecile was concerned. Cecile wasn't what the Bible meant when it spoke of love and forgiveness. Only judgment. And believe me, Big Ma had plenty of judgment for Cecile. So if Cecile, even, so if Cecile showed up on, Big, on Papa's, Door, welcome, Matt. Big Ma wouldn't swing the front door open. That's why Pa put us on a plane to Oakland. Either Cecile wouldn't come to back to Brooklyn, or she wasn't welcome. 
honestly, I don't think Pa could choose between Big Ma and Cecile even after Cecile left him. And us. Even after Cecile proved Big Ma right, how can you send them to Oakland? Oakland's nothing but a boiling pot of tr trouble cooking. All them riots. Pa has a respectful way of ignoring Big Ma. I wanted to smile. He's good at it. A shrill voice had announced the departing flight to Oakland. All three of us had butterflies. Our first airplane ride way up above Brooklyn, above New York, above the world. Although I could at least keep still, Vanetta and Fern stomped their feet like holy rollers at a revival meeting. Big Ma had grappled grabbed them by the first scruff of fabric she could get a hold of, bent down, told them to act right. There weren't too many of us in the waiting area, but there were in too many of them staring. I'd taken, I'd taken a quick count of it out of habit. Vanetta, Fern, and I were the only black children there. There were two soldier boys in green uniforms who didn't look any older than Uncle Darnell, high school cap in gown one day. Army boots and basic training Four days later, two teenage girls with afros, maybe they're college students, and one lady dressed like Jackie Kennedy carrying a small oval suitcase. Big Ma also scouted around the writing room. I knew she worried that we would be mistreated in some way and sought out by a grown brown face to look after us. Big Ma turned up her nose at the college girls with afros in favor of the black lady in the square sunglasses and snappy suit toting the equally snappy oval bag. Big Ma had made eye contact with her. When we lied up, she told the black Jackie Kennedy, these are my grandbabies. You look out for them, he? I don't know what what's with the accent, it just happened. Anyway, that's the book. The snappy black lady had been nice enough to smile, but hadn't returned the look Big Ma expected. And Big Ma expected the look black people silently pass each other. She'd expected this stranger to say, as if she were her neighbor, they're as good as my own. I'll make sure they don't misbehave or be an embarrassment to black race. A blank movie star smile that had been all pa she passed along to Big Ma. That lady had only been looking for a plane seat. Papa had given me a paper with the number for our house, which I knew by heart, and the phone number to his job. He had already told me that his job was number was for emergencies only and not how you do in chats. Last night, he had also given me an envelope with $200 in 10 and $20 bills to put inside my suitcase. Instead, I'd fold folded up the bills and stuffed them in my tennis shoe before I left Herkimere Street. Walking on that mound of money felt weird at first, but at least I knew the money was safe. Papa had kissed Vanetta and Fern and told me to look after my sisters, even though looking after them would be nothing new. I kissed him and said, I will, Papa. When the line to the ticket taker had begun to move, Big Ma had gotten all teary and mushed us up against her loose-fitting fit, loose violet and green moo-moo dress. Better come on 
get some loving now. She hadn't been, she hadn't had to finish the rest about how this might be the last time in a long while for kissing and hugging. A memory told me Cecile wasn't one for kissing and hugging. I had a lot of those memories clicking before me like projectorides in the dark. Lots of pictures, smells, and sounds flashing in and out, mostly about Cecile, all going way, way back. And I didn't remember clearly. Uncle Darnell always filled in. When I didn't remember clearly, Uncle Darnell always filled in. At least Uncle Darnell remembers Cecile kindly. So I really love this book because, again, it's hilarious and it has a little bit of romance in it. But, um,. I also like how it gives you a lot of insight on a lot of different things, and it's really interesting that way. However, one funny thing is when uh, Daphne's saying, um, way, way, like, a long time ago. She was, like, five when she's talking about a long time ago, and I'm pretty sure she's my age, so that just makes me feel older. But, uh, anyway... That is all for today. Have a nice day. See you later. Hopefully an episode will come out uh, once a week or so. But I, the reason I haven't been posting is mainly because of procrastination. So no promises here. Have a nice day. Bye.